We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee and a very special guest, and not very special in the like, hey, we're just saying it's a very special guest. Perhaps the specialist guest that we've had on the pod so far. 49ers legend Joe Staley, he required that we call him that, is... uh Going to join us here shortly. Talk to him about his days with the 49ers, um, what he thinks about this year's team. We talked to him about Trey Lance, really dug into everything, and his new gig with NBC Sports Bay Area, where he will be a 49ers analyst. Tons of great stuff with Joe, as always. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. introduction he's joe staley former 49ers left tackle legendary 49ers left tackle can we say that yeah for sure yeah, legendary okay cool. i want to start legendary. pumping myself up more i was i was way too kind in the media i'm a i'm a badass yeah like you're you're really <laughs> good that? it's okay to say that yeah say that? please yeah you can say it as long as you just say it a little bit closer to your computer so we get better audio from you Oh, jeez, come on. All right. <laughs> How's this? Is it oh, good? that's better. That's Can you better. see my nose? Can you see my nose? Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on, Joe. I uh, I know I was pestering you a couple weeks ago about coming on, but uh, it's great to finally have you. And uh, and and welcome welcome to this side of it. Welcome to uh, to the media, NBC Sports, Bay Area's newest 49ers analyst, Joe Staley. How does that sound? That sounds good. You know, it's exciting. I definitely feel like a rookie a little bit. Um, going back and starting all over at something. I think it's a life lesson for my kids later in life. You know, hey, it's okay to start over when you're 37 years old and uh, completely transform your life and jump into something new. Totally. So what you had, you were starting to, uh, to tell a story before the pod about getting caught swearing yeah. during a tape. So why don't, why don't we get started with, with that story so you can tell it for all the people to listen to. Yeah, so I mean, last shoot, um, 
last week we were up there taping the season preview show. And so the way the format was, we got up there and it's the first time that we had all been in studio together and kind of running down what we're going to do. We did a bunch of rehearsals of the season and how it's going to go. And I think the rehearsals went exactly how you would think someone that has never done studio media before and has very high expectations for themselves went. Um, I thought I was going to go in there and, and do well. It was incredibly uncomfortable at first. Um, and I think not at first, just the whole time, something I'm going to have to get used to just being on stage and talking to a camera and keeping conversation going. But then we get to the season preview show and they're like, Hey, we're just running it. This is going to be a 30 minute show. We're just going to do one take and it's, you know, it's going to be taped, but we're just doing one. So go. And we ran through it and I'm not sure exactly how it went, but I caught myself in one of the segments I was talking and I think I was adding something to a conversation talking about, yeah, I'm going to, you know, preach it. I'm preaching that shit. And I, and I, I extended it and caught myself in, in the mid mid word. I was like, you can't say this on TV now. Like, cause I, I've been known to cuss uh, quite a bit in my daily vernacular and vocabulary. I think it's added emphasis. Also, I'm not a linguist. I don't string together long sentences full of eloquent words. I like to add a random F, um, B, uh, <laughs> D. I'm going to go down to all the letters. <laughs> Q, what? Q. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was the story. And then uh, we got done taping it, and the producer was like, that was a great show. Uh, unfortunately, Joe... Joe, I think you might have swore, so we might have to tape it again. Um, so we did a couple other takes, and then I'm not sure how they spliced it together, if they just took out that audio or if, because I'm not up in the Bay, I'm not sure exactly what's actually airing, but um, yeah. What, what's your wardrobe going to be like as like a studio analyst guy? Are you going to like try to like went, no, Dante? Her, I, honestly, I went, I went back and forth. I went back and forth. So I at first was like, I'm going to wear what I wear every single day and that's t-shirt and jeans. But then I got some, <laughs> I got some uh, kickback on that. So that's not going to be a wardrobe option. I'm going to be suited just because it's a reason to get dressed up and use the actual suits that I bought many years ago and never have actually worn. So I think I'm just going to go with that. It's going to be hard to keep up with Dante because he's very serious about his wardrobe attire um he was already saying you know he's got all the new outfits for this year everything's custom everything's tailored he's meticulous about it and he expects a reaction i've learned that from day one when he walks in with a new suit you better go whoa whoa <laughs> yo unbelievable so uh, i'll give them i'll give him that every day and then just as long as he can do that for me you know because now that i've slimmed down a little bit you need to you need the ego boost you know look it great feels good God. <laughs> you have no idea that felt so good for you to say that right there <laughs> i'm are sure i'm tired first, of, for sure. are you tired of talking about losing weight or do you want to do you want to yes. get yourself up and well because it's it's not a new thing for me but i feel like i've been seeing now that i'm a little bit more out there right than i was last year because last year i just was a hermit down here in san diego i haven't seen a lot of people i wasn't making a lot of appearances 
and now that I'm being more visible, people are now commenting on something that's been like a year for me. And I've been pretty much this size for a while. So I don't, I'm always surprised, like, <laughs> wow, you lost a lot of weight. And I was like, I actually put on about 15 pounds in the last year. So thank you. Appreciate <laughs> it. Is your plan to be more of the like straightforward analyst or are you going take artist? Dude, I see. No, I can't be a take artist. I was never a guy that's like, no, see, that's no, don't put expectations on me. I don't want that. Right. <laughs> I don't need those expectations. Honestly, I think where I'm going to fit, like Dante's really, really good breaking down X's and O's and he gives good analysis as far as, you know, how teams are going to attack certain schemes, um, the matchups, all that stuff. Uh, Takeo brings a lot of energy and he's really knowledgeable about the overall game of football. And I think for me, my role early on, especially before I get comfortable with this whole thing is adding the perspective of the player that was recently in the locker room. You know, I'm not, I haven't been in the locker room last year, but I understand this coaching staff. I understand generally where they're thinking, how Kyle operates uh, a lot of the players. And there's been some turnover in the last couple of years, but just the overall thinking of the players and, you know, I can offer that perspective and I think fans will appreciate that. You know, I'm not going to become someone I'm not, I'm going to try really hard not to, but it's, um, you know, I think day one was like, it was hard for me to not to try to follow in their footsteps and kind of get down that excited, you know, when I found myself getting a little bit becoming not who I am and that's not me. So I think just offering some insight into the team, the locker room, and then, you know, here and there, just offer my input where I see. So as a former player in the locker room, what, what's, what would your rea reaction be, say, like late March when you say you were still playing and you heard that they traded all those picks to, to move up for, for a quarterback? I mean, what, how would you handle that as a, as a team captain and somebody who's sort of, um, you know, a, I guess a heartbeat of the locker room is probably overstating it maybe, but like somebody who's very influential in terms of how you feel is probably going to rub off on other people in terms of how they feel. Yeah, and I think those conversations would be had with a head coach initially. I, I would be calling him, and I think that's the great thing about Kyle is that he's very open and honest with every single person in that locker room. He was for me my entire career. I know he is with a lot of players there. They still have that relationship with him that you can talk to him about why decisions are made. It's not just about X and O's and my responsibility in the field, but yeah, what are you, what's your thinking here? You know, what's the game plan? And I think he would have described it exactly the way he's probably described it to a lot of the guys is and the situation is that last year was decimated. They have a completely loaded roster on this football team that have since 2019. And last year was completely derailed by injuries, but also specifically the injury to the quarterback position. And they don't have time right now to wait around for that piece to always be there. And so I think a little bit of, of it is, you know, Kyle wanting to handpick his guy and have a guy that he's really excited about building the franchises of the, of the future with, but also having a, you know, really solid, solid, solid plan if Jimmy's not healthy for the whole year, which he hasn't been besides a one season. Do you think Trey Lance is the right guy for that? I do. And I think, because if you go the route of Mac Jones or a pure pocket passer, you're just really replacing one guy with the other. And I think then there comes in a bunch of variables of, um, you know, him learning the system. Is he going to be able to understand the NFL game quickly? And how long is it going to take to get him to where he's a level of Jimmy as far as understanding? Um, when you got a guy like Trey Lance, you know, he can do so much with his legs and his ability to get 
and create outside the pocket that he can learn and develop as he's creating plays. And he creates such a mismatch too. And I think the thing that's really exciting about what Kyle likes to do in the run game is he's never had a guy really, I mean, he had it with RG3 and you saw what he did in the one year that he was healthy in Washington, but the ability to create 11 on 11 football in the running game is huge. It just creates one extra blocker. And that's what Kyle's so good at. He's such an amazing guy at scheming and creating all those eye distractions in the backfield that when he has the ability to create true 11 on 11 football, that every single person has to account for the guy that's on the field, he's going to create, I, I think he's going to be sitting in his office and I'm visualizing him doing this because I've walked in on him doing it many a time, but he's sitting in his office with his hat, his flat brim hat down to his eyes, his reggae music's going on it's <laughs> 11 o'clock at night. And he's just drawing up creative ways to confuse defenses. And that's what's exciting. That's what Trey can bring to this offense. How difficult is a Kyle Shanahan offense to learn from? Like when, when he came in in 2017 and you first started getting the install that spring, I mean, you've, you've installed a lot of different offenses, but did mm. you, did, did you know early on by looking at it, you're like, wow, this is different. And this has a potential to be pretty special. I would say this about Kyle's offense. So a lot, get, a lot gets said about, the actual X's and O's. And when it boils down to it, his scheme is a wide zone scheme. It's been done for years and years and years and years and years. And a lot of people have tried to do their own versions of it and all this stuff. But what Kyle's so good at is the actual play calling of it and piecing it all together and understanding how the eye distractions, the old eye candy in the backfield, the motions, um, not only just creates confusion on a particular play, but how that can set up plays down the road. You know, how can that motion and all that pre-snap movement that you're doing set up a play action pass in the second quarter? That's where I think his true genius comes in. As far as learning it, it's not the scheme that's really, really hard from an offensive line standpoint, because it's really just zone right, zone left, it's actually pretty simple. You just have to memorize the plays, understand the points, where you're going on a certain play. Where it gets difficult and was hard for me to learn is the the way he teaches it, the technique of it. For me to, like as, as, a, as an offensive line, I'm going to nerd out for a second. Please. As an offensive lineman on zone schemes, I was always kind of taught gain the play side shoulder, gain leverage with the play side shoulder with your first step, um, you know, gain leverage and then try to vertically take them up the field. So you give the running back a read that he, you have the corner or you don't, you know, the, so it's either like you got it right away or you don't. And now he's going to go inside. So my technique for my whole career was set up that way that my first step and all the zone blocking and everything I was taught. Kyle wants you to get off the ball as fast as you can at an angle it's almost like a 45 degree angle through his body where you're eventually going to get that play side shoulder. Cause you're going to threaten it, but the speed at which you're going to do it is going to be so fast that the guy's going to panic for a second. And that's when you can take advantage of him panicking and get him stretching down the line of scrimmage. So saying that that was a hard thing for me to rep over and over and over. Cause it's completely different than what I had been taught. And I think what a lot of guys have been taught, you know, a lot of guys have been taught that almost like, pounding ants like you know take your first step second step gain leverage get up in the guy I mean it's almost like he wants you just to sprint as fast as you can off the ball and gain leverage as you go and that's where like the huge cutbacks come is like as fast as you can go that's what it is and another thing too with Kyle like 
the wide zone stuff, he wants you to go as fast as you can off the ball. I'm, I'm losing my train of thought right now. <laughs> this, is a, this is a struggle too. Um, next question. Forgot what okay. I was going to say. That right, was a long me, answer, but. It was a great answer. Yeah. Um, so I want to stick on the whole offensive line thing. You said it's a, it's an outside zone scheme. You're, you know, either right or left. When you insert a quarterback who can move, how does that change for what does that change for you as an offensive lineman, both um, in designed runs and on plays where he's scrambling? Um, it doesn't change. My, I mean, honestly, it doesn't change as far as an offensive lineman's thinking. Um, you know, I played for, I played with mobile quarterbacks, played with strict pocket passers, you know, like Colin, who ran kind of a similar offense. And the thinking doesn't change up front. You're not blocking differently because of different quarterbacks in there. You're just like you wouldn't block differently if a, you know, if it's a different running back, if Jeff Wilson or Hasty's back there, they're not going to block differently than, than Raheem. You block the play that's called. I think what's different is the scheme. Um, wide zone, like I said, is much more about gaining and flying off the ball. And it's like much more targeted blocking where you're, you're pointing out the guy you have and you want to go as fast as you can to that angle and however they sort themselves out is where you're going. So you're trying to create confusion with speed. Whereas the zone read is much more, you don't know as an offensive lineman, is he going to give it or is he going to keep it? And so you're really, you have your targets. I know I'm going to the stack linebacker, but is he following the ball this way because they handed it off or is he, you know, is, is the quarterback keeping it? Now I have to react to him coming out. So you're much more patient in that sense. I think that's where it gets difficult for linemen is just getting those reps over and over and over. Well, saying that what I saw, I mean, I think that's what, what the Niners have in their offensive line this year. That's, that's awesome for the scheme is that they have two tackles that are the best. I, in my opinion, two of the best run blocking tackles in the whole entire NFL. You know, Trent's one of the best absolute tackles in the NFL. I think McGlinchey's going to make steps to become that with his pass blocking this year, but he's still one of the best run blocking, run blocking tackles in the NFL. So having those two guys are going to make the transition a lot easier. What, I mean, what, what do you think happened with Mike last year? I know he's talked about his mental health stuff and, um, you know, putting a lot of pressure on himself and, and getting really down on himself for, for bad reps. But I mean, was it just that simple or I, I know you guys talking are very close. Yeah. Did you, did you offer advice and it, w would you be willing to share what that advice might've been? Yeah. I mean, I can get into, it. I'll let him speak for himself, but just talking to him. Um, and this has been Mike since the day he got in the NFL. I think the day that he started playing football, he put so much pressure on himself to be perfect. And I think the important thing about Mike and one of the things that really bugged me about the narrative through the media last year with him was that he's a bad tackle because he had one or two bad plays. And yes, obviously you never want to go through a game as an offensive lineman having a bad play and they would come up at inopportune times. So I understand all that, but he was one of, like I said before, one of the most dominant run blockers in the NFL. And he's a big part of what they do on offense. You know, the reason why he, the offensive line and the running game in particular successful is because of the work that he does. And I think he puts a lot of pressure on himself to play perfect in the NFL. You can't do that in high school in college. He got away with that. And he had that expectation because it's what he expected and is what he was able to do. But in the NFL level, you just can't do that. And um, 
you know, I think he really took, I think it took a couple of years for him to really understand that because I, you know, I think maybe this rookie year was like, I am a rookie. I'm going to figure it out. And then second year is like, you know, I'm getting my feet underneath me a little bit and I'm going to try to take a step up, but he's still like, I was there and I was the vet. And then I left and he was like, all right, now I'm going to be like going on my own, you know, Trent's coming in and try to tell him that I'm a veteran too. And then when he would have those plays, it would be instantly, you know, just, ah, why am I messing up? And it would kind of snowball from there. And now I think he would tell you the exact same thing. I don't think I'm speaking on a turn here with Mike, but the really fun and cool thing about him is that this offseason we had a lot of conversations and he's really spent a ton of time of like improving himself in that aspect and also just the technical issues. And he was really hard on himself as far as identifying what he needed to work on. You know, I know he, he gained some weight. He felt like he was playing a little bit light last year. I think will help out with a lot of that as well. So, you know, in the, in the pregame show, I'm not sure if you guys saw the season preview show. He was my big guy. I mean, he was he was the dude. And I mean it in all honesty, too. I think he's going to be um, a big year for him. I think he's his contract year, and I think he's going to perform really well. Uh, no, I, I just wanted to touch on that real quick. How much does um, – I've never played offensive line in the NFL. I yeah. don't know if you knew that. Yeah. Um, how much does – because people seem to make a lot about, oh, he dropped weight, and that's why. He How much does that weight fluctuation have to really do with anything? Is it is it a huge factor? Is it a minimal factor? It's it's not. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. It's for me personally. It was you know I did I did all of it. I came in about 310 pounds. I got up to 330 pounds. I got down to about the lightest I played was like 285. So I saw all spectrums of the offensive line spectrum. And it's not a a factor of just weight. It's how you can move the explosion that you have, um, the athleticism that you have with it, how you carry it. And for me, what I found was most important was the ability to gain leverage. Um, If I could gain you know, an inch or two inches of leverage on a defender by dropping five pounds and being able to bend and be able to move a little bit better. That was more powerful for me than just carrying five pounds just to carry five pounds. So I spent a really, um, I spent like my first four or five years kind of figuring out what my ideal play weight was. And then I worked really hard to become the strongest I could be at that play weight. And for me, that was about 300, anywhere from like 295 to 300 pounds. 49ers football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore. You know why? Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. See, what TickPick did is they got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge. That's why I don't go to those sites anymore because those fees are ridiculous. It allows TickPick to guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. You don't believe me? You can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site. If you can do that, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. The 49ers open with two games on the road, but they are back at Levi Stadium September 26th. It's a Sunday night football game at home against the Packers. My mom, my mom has already gotten her ticket. She goes with her friends. I don't have a ticket yet. I'm going to go to TickPick.com and get my tickets there. 
because I'm not going to be charged service fees. I'm going to get the best possible price. And that's what your boy is looking for. I'm going to go enjoy the atmosphere. It's going to be electric. I can't wait to be there. And you should be there too. So visit tickpick.com slash candlestick today and use the promo code candlestick to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. Do that right now. And we will see you at Levi Stadium on September 26th. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So I want to shift to um, culture a little bit. And and what I what I find fascinating about your career, I mean, you saw so many different coaches and, you know, tell me if I'm wrong here, but in covering the team since 2013, it seemed like there were some, there were some not so great cultures that you were a part of. And then you were a part of some, some pretty good ones late in your career when, when Shanahan was brought in, could you just explain maybe like the difference between what a good culture is versus what a bad culture is and how that can manifest itself in terms of wins and losses and just how you guys, you know, whether you enjoy playing or not, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, culture for me was always manifested itself with my desire and enjoyment that I had in coming to work and showing up in work every single day and doing the job that I love. And you always start that you always start out with a new head coach um, feeling that way, just excitement. And Kyle talks to players as as with respect and peers as, um, as peers. And then we're all in this together. And I think that's built through day in and day out the way he approaches it. He doesn't um, lord over you with like, I'm the head coach and I get respect because I'm the head coach. It's because of 
what he does, the preparation and the way he communicates with players and the way he really respects and understands what we're going through and all the stuff that just comes with being a good human being is, um, you know, the way Kyle has built that culture through that locker room. Um, you know, in the past I've had coaches, that, you know, it was that I'm the, I'm the head coach and I haven't earned that respect yet, but I, I, I deserve that because that's my position. And that's, I don't, for me, that's not how you build a winning culture. It's not how you, you want to feel as a player that we're all in this together and we all have an equal hand in it. And it's not just coaches, players, but everybody's coming together. How much of a role do you think that plays in being able to have a, well, for lack of a better term, call it like a two quarterback system like they have this year? How much of the culture is going to play into that? Yeah, just the, like you said, you know, we're all in this together. And that's something yeah. that Garoppolo has kind of talked about in his press conferences. Like it's, you know, doing it for the team. As long as we're winning, it's all good. I think uh, is that go ahead. Yeah, I think that's going to be a real key because, like I said, with Kyle, the way that he's kind of built this culture and the, the locker room and the whole entire team vibe is, A, it's team first with the people that they bring in. It's a very team friendly culture. Everybody believes in what's best for the team is best for me. But then two is that communication. And I think it's going to be huge this year. I think there can never be a situation where Jimmy doesn't understand. You know, he can never be surprised with like what's going to be happening. You know, that's going to be pretty, I think that'd be pretty detrimental for him. And also for Trey to not understand like, Hey, this is early on. This is my role. This is where I'm going to be going in. And um, I know the quarterbacks and every position has to be you know, ready for the unexpected, but if they're both healthy, both ready to play, I think it's going to have to be really communicated well. And I think that's one, one of the things that Kyle really excels at. How much culture was built every year um, The at, I think it's at Kyle's house, right? He has a party yeah. um, mm-hmm. after final cuts. Yeah, we're not allowed to talk about that. Not at all? Nope. We asked you before the show and you didn't mention it, so. Yeah, Zero didn't. stories. <laughs> didn't. We're not allowed to talk about that. Not we, that I mean, we can talk about that, but me, I'm not allowed to. Zero stories about that party. It's un- under Very tame. It's Just very, very chill. party. And no one's allowed to know. And I can't answer any questions on that subject. Wow. This is I'm joking. It's a it's a good time. <laughs> it's fight club. Yeah. Is what it is. Uh, it's a good time. It's um yeah, it's just a it's a party for the whole entire franchise and everybody affiliated with it. And everybody comes together at the end of the training camp to kind of celebrate the end of training camp, beginning of a new season. And you know, there's outfits involved, you know, we had themes and all that stuff and um yeah it's a good time i mean i think all that stuff all that team bonding stuff is all beneficial you know you can't get carried away with it but there's still a business to be had during the season but um time for the you know the families to come out it's no no kids but it's uh you know significant others wives girlfriends um nobody had both in my whole time (laughs) that i was there but it's a enjoyable time and good time to be around and understand that you know we're all in this together is that is that kind of why it is is good. Well, what what was the best theme? The best theme from the party. Great follow up. Um, no, see, I said that uh, themes. <laughs> I can't even think of a theme. <laughs> we well, this one was eight. disco. Yeah, the last one was disco. I saw the pictures of that. Uh, McGlinch had a great outfit. Uh, a lot of great outfits, actually. Kittles was pretty solid. Um, I don't know, actually. I mean, we did it all white, but then 
people were scrambling at the last second. So like half the team wore white and then half the team just wore like suits. Um, we did, uh, I think tropical one, I want to say like a Hawaiian kind of thing. Um, one year. Okay. So Kyle okay. Shanahan can throw a party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't think yeah. he throws it. I and mean, I think he definitely just like hires it out to like <laughs> people that are setting it up and stuff. But was that just a Kyle oh. Shanahan? Was that just a Kyle Shanahan thing or did other coaches do that? No, I think that was a thing from his dad. Cause I heard that his dad did that um, in Denver and I believe in Washington as well. So I think I uh, kind of stole that from old senior Mike. Got it. So well, go for it. Can I, can I do one? Yeah, go. Go for okay. it. Sweet. Go Hell for it. You for it. All right. Thanks. I'm for it. Um, so you, you talked about kind of your, 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 um, your transition into media. You also got a little bit of coaching in uh, during the joint practices with the chargers. How did that go? It was fun. It was good to be around the guys. Um, I don't know how serious I was about, you know, venturing down into the coaching realm, but it was a good opportunity to be around them. I knew I was going to be doing this NBC sports very mm-hmm. gig. And I thought you know, it was a good opportunity just to be around the team and know who the heck I'm going to be talking about this year and the players and familiar myself, familiar, can't say that, familiarized myself with the team and the scheme and coaches, but it was cool to be around Kyle again. And, you know, I'm good friends with uh, a lot of people that are there still. So. Are we going to get a Roy Kent moment where you just walk out of the tunnel in the middle of a game and I've been show up on the sideline? I've been watching that show this year, and I will say me and my wife, we both stopped multiple, multiple times throughout the season and have looked at each other and said, this is pretty relevant to my life right now. <laughs> a lot of moments in there where I'm like, oh. I so, look forward to the uh, to the game where you curse up a storm on NBC Sports. Yeah. about having some pride in their shirt we don't know what the hell is going on <laughs> we just sit here and prognosticate about what we think is going to happen but we have no idea which is awesome i can't wait for that it's going to be great <laughs> um that's awesome so we got we got some rapid fire questions mm. uh these are not super serious football questions um so I'm going to start with one Kyle wrote down in the beginning. You're lost in the woods with three ex-teammates, and you've got to survive. Which three teammates are you counting on to, to help make it out of there? Isaac Sopawaga. Of course. Justin Smith. Okay. Oh, boy. Frank. Frank? Because he's a hard worker. <laughs> I feel like you wouldn't need to include Justin Smith because I feel like he's just in the woods anyways. Like he would just be there. Uh, speaking, yeah. yeah, you're probably right with that. <laughs> Why uh, Sopawaga? Just because he's big and strong. Big, strong. I feel like he's real crafty. You know, I think he, uh, <laughs> you know, he's just he's he just was the first guy that came to my mind. You know, That's Islander. Funny. I just think he's he's got it. <laughs> Uh, who is your favorite ex-teammate and why is it Frank Gore? Yeah, um, my favorite ex-teammate is Frank Gore. And the reason why is, um, oh, I'm, I'm just now understanding why that question was present, presented that way. <laughs> <laughs> I completely blacked that out. Um, 
So yeah, Frank is BB is my favorite teammate because I learned the most from him when I was a, a kid or a kid. I was a rookie and first, second, third year player. He just um, the way he approached the game of football had a huge impact on my life and the way that my career ended up turning out. I don't think if he was there with that example, um, you know, my career would have turned out what it did. He definitely set the tone as far as work ethic and how you approach the game every single day and the seriousness that you have to have when you walk in the building. So, you know, and for those reasons, I think he was, he was that, and he was also just a hell of a player and a hell of a teammate. He was fun to be around and made the game a lot of fun. Do you guys still talk? Yeah. How's he doing? Contact not as uh, often as we probably would both like, but he's doing well. You know, he's trying to just see if he's going to play football or not this year. So, um, we're, we're all kind of eagerly waiting. Um, another one of this is another one of Kyle's questions. I'm going to give Kyle credit for this one. A former teammate is making a road trip playlist. Who would you trust with that chore? A former teammate, so not Kendrick Bourne. Always in the dude, he was the only one that ever chose music for like my last two years. He would, no matter what was playing, he would go in there and he had such a funny personality that you would like scream at him or yell or whatever. And he'd be like, <laughs> he'd just laugh and walk away. Like he didn't even care. Is he Remember the one responsible like for all the, all the Roddy Rich in 2019? I don't even, yeah, I'm sure. I don't <laughs> even know what that is. I don't. I don't it was the like, song you guys ran onto the field. I to like uh, acoustic music, man. I don't <laughs> listen to anything, but I'm super boring. I'm very chill. I try to keep my music choices very chill. You, I don't need like any, a more, Jack Johnson any, more, any more amped up or any anything. So, um, so who would I trust? I don't know. That's a hard question. I have no idea. I, I don't trust anybody because I don't think anybody likes the music that I like. So that's fair. Uh, yeah. What was okay. your go-to pregame meal? My go-to pregame meal was I had to have uh, pasta with marinara sauce if I had, and it was only light marinara because if I had, I had one game early in my career that I had a bunch of meat sauce on that. And I had, <laughs> I was about to throw up about multiple times. I was like burping in a game, just like meat <laughs> sauce. It was disgusting. <laughs> So that like scarred me for the rest of my career. So very light marinara sauce, but I needed those carbs. Uh, and then it was a whole bunch of broccoli, uh, two fillets, steaks. And, and then I would have like two waters, uh, coffee, uh, and then a big bowl of fruit with oatmeal as well. So it was like I had to just get all the fuel in because then I would not eat basically from then until after the game. Who was the favorite uh, shit talker you you went against? Mm. That I went against? Yeah. Like a guy who you knew was oh, talking honest, shit and it was just like enjoyable. That is, that is honestly, for me at least, one of the misconceptions that I've experienced in my career was that there was not a lot of, there's not a lot of trash talk, at least from my perspective. I didn't feel like, I got shit talked a lot. I don't do a lot of trash talk. Um, I would say sarcastic comments and guys would kind of laugh or guys would say some comments to me, but it's much more like, 
you know, you're worried about your job. You're not really worried about getting in the head of someone. And as I got, as I became a veteran, it was like, was this, you know, they this kind of maybe knew that they weren't going to get to me. One of the funniest things though I ever saw was Antonio Smith. Now he does trash talk. He was a defensive tackle for the, the Cardinals and the, the Texans. It wasn't directed at me, but he started trash talking a preseason game, Mike Upati. <laughs> and Mike complete, completely lost it. He completely lost it. And he went over into well, we got back to the huddle after a play, and I'm standing next to where I think Mike's gonna be. And I look over and Mike's no, I'm like, where the hell is Mike? And then I look back and Mike is in the defensive huddle room, just like, you know, pointing and yelling. And I've never seen Mike's very mild mannered dude and never seen that. And I ran over like, Mike, what are you doing? Get over here. Call the play. And he's like, you should never have said that. Uh, he really got me upset. And <laughs> like, what'd he say? He's, he wouldn't tell me so. Yeah, uh, you described your pregame meal. What was your postgame meal? Uh, whatever they had. Uh, I mean, whatever it was, I was so starving. I would just eat anything. So sure. uh, usually the Niners provided something after the game uh, for a long time in the locker room at candlestick or not in the locker room in the parking lot at candlestick. They had a barbecue that was there. So I'd have that. And then depending on who's in town, you either go get dinner after the game with some family or friends or just go home. And, um, you know, as I got older with kids, we would go home and, we'd watch Sunday night football as a family and have some pizzas and just relax and watch film. And yeah. So you, you partied a little bit with Kyle Shanahan uh, over 4th of July weekend, I believe. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you guys have hung out before. What, what's he like as a, uh, as a social hang? He's really fun. He's uh, I mean, he's exactly like how he is as a coach. He's just chill down to earth. He's um, he's a big trash talker. He uh, he likes to have fun. He's just a normal, normal human being. Like there's no no great stories or anything. He's just uh, just one of the guys. What's his go-to beer? Uh, he's not a beer drinker. Oh, is no. it true? It's it's Red Bull vodka. RBVs always oh. only, and he brings his own Red Bull everywhere. Oh, really? <laughs> God, that's incredible. Yeah. I've heard rumors of that. I'm glad I'm glad that's been substantiated. Yeah. Um, oh, Kyle, I want you to ask this last one because it's a good one. The very last one? Yeah. All right. Uh, one game matchup. Who wins? The 2012 49ers or the 2019 49ers? Um, all right. Let me go down there. Let me go. Let me go here real quick. Let me think yeah. about it and put some actual thought into it. Um, the 2020-2019. You played on both. Yeah, I did. Um, so I think defensively, I would go. I would go twenty. Hmm, I don't know, man. I think our offensive line was so dominant in twenty twelve. I think our run game was so good. What we were doing schematically was so ahead of its time. I think our defense was amazing. We didn't have quite the front four that we have here, but we did have Bowman and Willis in the middle in 2012. But then we had Fred Warner, but he's young in 2019. The back end is pretty comparable. Um, I go 2019, but it hurts me to say that. I don't know. God, it's really even. 
It is because they're, they're the same team, honestly. Yeah. I think I'm going to go 2019 just for this reason and this reason only. I think the scheme and what we were able to do offensively in 2012 was a product of it being ahead of the time. I think the 2019 is built for the long-term success. But if you're asking me to pick one game and one game only, I think the 2012, we we were were really good. A lot lot of talent on that team. Who are you picking as the quarterback? In the 2012 year? Yeah. For your one game. Between Alex and Colin? Yeah. I'm picking... Just for this, this one game against the 2019 between Alex and Colin, I'm picking Colin to run that offense. That's fair. I would do. Yeah, no question. I don't think Alex listens to this, so he's you're probably fine. <laughs> I don't give a shit if he does. <laughs> I, hope, I hope he does. <laughs> How's he doing? I know you two are close. Um, yeah, Alex is doing well. He moved back to the Bay Area. Um, he's doing the media gig. He doing a job with ESPN, and you know he just had talking to me at his. First little interview with Patrick Mahomes, his old uh, his old crony there in in Kansas City. So he's doing well. He's um, you know he overcame so much and such a good dude. His family's awesome and just good to be around him. Good people. Awesome. Well, you guys have the media thing in common now. Oh, I had one question I wanted to ask you, and then we'll get out of here. All right. Now that you're on this side of this, it feels I like feel, I will I say like- this. It feels like there's a lot of one questions. I, I know. It's been, it's yeah. been a lot of one questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, we're just we're just so excited to have you on. Um, correct. Yeah. Uh-huh. While you were a player, what was the thing that you wish the media understood that they never understood? Just the whole entire process and schematics of an offensive line. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it's we're very just easy to see when someone messes up, but. No, um, in all honesty, no, I think the media does a really good job. I mean, I always felt like the guys that were pretty understanding, the guys asked pointed questions, and I think they were always honest after the games. Um, I think one thing that I would have loved is, is a little bit more coordination from media members in um, – the questions asked because I always felt, especially if when it was open locker room, it's different now because it's everybody's in there and it's like media availability. But back when it was just like open locker room, you would get the same question 19 times. And it was like, <laughs> can we just, I answered that. And then the first time you answer it really well, and it's like, you know, good two minute answer and it's thought out. And then you get it again. You're like, all right, I'll do this again. And then the third time it's, just go talk to that guy. I just, I got to get ready to practice. <laughs> Fair um, enough. Yeah. Fair All right, enough. Last question. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm good. I got nothing to do. You said three hours. 848. 48 minutes. Kids are sleeping. You said, you said. You're gonna... all my tape. I t- Here's another thing. I have watched. I'm not kidding you. I've watched more. I, I haven't watched, but I've read and prepared more for this Sunday than I did playing football. Really? Um, yes. You well, I take, that back. I take that back on my own because <laughs> I'm not counting the times that I was at, you know, the facility and all that stuff. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. So on my own, um, you know, I would watch typically when I played, I would watch 
I don't know, 10 hours of film on my own. And I feel like in the last three days, I've just been sitting here staring at this computer screen, which also I get why people hate staring at computer screens now. I never yeah. understood. I was like, oh yeah, I just saw what are you, you're not doing anything. You're just watching a screen. After doing that for like four hours, I'm like, my head hurts and I cannot focus mm -hmm. and I'm fuzzy and I'm irritable. I understand the, the I get it now. Yeah. And well, the 49ers are going to win man. on Sunday. Huh? Are the 49ers going to win on Sunday? Not a question. That's, I mean, you can't see my face at home, but I gave him a look. That was a, that was a dumb question. Look, they're not going to, they're not going to, there's, there's not a doubt in the world. They're going to lose. Okay. I think here's my prediction. I think if they want to get to where they want to go this year, they got to start really fast. And this is a perfect game for them to come out and tell the whole entire NFL, like what they are this year. You know, I think there's a lot of unknowns about the team they're playing and Dan Campbell and, you know, what kind of schemes are going to run on defense, but also there's a lot of questions about what 49ers offense is going to do. And everybody's talking this whole entire offseason about how many injuries they had last year and how decimated they were and how talented this roster is. And they need to come out and show everybody that's exactly the reason why they're going to be there at the end. And it's a big statement game, and I expect them to come out and get at it. Awesome. All right. Well, we're finally going to let you go. Uh, cool. th thank you so much for coming on. Hopefully, uh, it was 40 minutes, 45 minutes. It's yeah, a lot of minutes. Way longer, way longer than what you said. Did I, <laughs> what did I say? I don't even think 20, I gave you a time. 20 minutes. Did I, Ooh, you said sure. when we talked, you're like, I'm going to dominate this. So I want to get plenty of time. Put words in my mouth. You can't do that. You That's exactly what you said. That is that I am going to dominate your podcast. That's not what I said. That's a thousand percent what you said. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, forgot. I thought you were talking about today. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> when we were talking. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Joe Staley, six-time Pro Bowler, uh, NFL All-Decade Tackle, and um, now the Feels latest. Good. Feels okay. good to say that. I'm <laughs> such an accolade guy. <laughs> I know. That's why I wanted to go out on that high note. Um, thanks so much for coming on, man. Hopefully uh, we can do this again and good luck with, uh, with the new media game. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thank Joe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.